hello, hello. Can you believe it's March already? It's the month of mad hairs, celebrating our mums, clocks going forward. And can you believe it? The kids are going to be breaking up for Easter holidays. Do we really <laughs> want to acknowledge that? Just back. Let's just stay positive, shall we? We're back. We're back for episode three. I'm Anita, Managing Director of Pace. And as usual, I'm joined by Joe, our PR and Content Manager, and one of our Account Managers, Cass. This is another episode of Pace of Mine. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Good to be back. Here we are again. Good to see you through the screen again. <laughs> So today's episode is about something we've all been longing for. Can you remember those days when we used to walk down the high street and we could just pop into a shop that took our fancy or or just sit and enjoy a coffee or perhaps something a little stronger with our friends? Well, hopefully we've got everything crossed that the world is going to reopen very soon. As you girls know, this is a C word free zone. So we're going to stay positive. We're not going to talk about anything negative. We're all about positive thinking here at Pace, forward planning and supporting local and talking of local, actually, we're going to be joined by Hull's very own music mogul, session events director, Mark, or as we love to call him, Matt Page. He's going to be joining us later, so I'm looking forward to talking to him. So ladies, what are you two looking forward to about the high street or indeed anything reopening, some form of normality? I am most looking forward to having a coffee made by someone else that isn't me. I don't want to do any washing up. I don't want to do anything. I want to get a nice fancy coffee and I want to sit and I want to people watch and read and feel zen and calm. That is what I want. Yeah. And don't things taste better when they're made by somebody else? Yes, 100%. (laughs) mine's the same joe i just want to be in somebody else's environment i want to get out my house and i want to go and eat as much food as possible and drink as many drinks as possible in somebody else's environment and just like sit with friends and just chat and laugh and see people going by and just like oh just have a day out in in hull will be amazing can't wait so excited i'm gonna get so drunk you and everybody else (laughs) yeah i mean everybody's tolerance must be so low have you not been drinking at home Come on. Well, I'm not a big drinker at home anyway. Like, I'm not really a big drinker. If I'm going out and, like, I'm going out dancing, I'm going to, like, have a proper night out. I love to, like, drink and have a good time. But at home, I just feel like if I'm sat on the sofa, I just feel like I get really, like, tired and, like, Too relaxed. Yeah. But when I'm out and I've got, like, the energy and the vibe and everything around me, like, yeah, I love to have a drink. But because I don't drink at home much, my tolerance is, like, zero. So I'm going to be, I'm going to have to, it'll be a short night. It'll be a good night, but it'll be a short night. <laughs> have you booked the 22nd of June off on holiday? I don't think I've approved that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking forward to, Anita? Um, the same, ditto. However, I am looking forward to actually getting my roots done. Did you know I'm not really a natural blonde? Yeah, I just can't bear to look in the mirror at the moment. It's it's bad. It's bad. A lot of salons have been doing home kits. I feel like that is a terrible idea. No, I I wouldn't. Maybe it's only if you've got an all over head colour, it's like possible. Whereas highlights, maybe you can't. But a lot of the high street like um, hairdressers and stuff have like responded so well and fast and adapted. Been pretty amazing, really. What shops have kind of come up with to survive and thrive as much as possible I'm just looking forward as well to I mean I've been coming into the office quite a bit so I'm looking forward to this the fruit market area just coming alive again 
you know, I walk Tilly on a lunchtime down Humber Street and I just see all the shops sat there and it's just, it'd just be so nice to see them open again. Yeah. So I play the violin and like played in orchestras for years and I moved to Hull a year ago and I usually, I never worry about making friends or settling in because I think, oh, I just join an orchestra and then you have friends built in and I haven't been able to join an orchestra and playing at home just isn't the same. It's so sad. Um, so playing with other people is going to be amazing. And I was looking at pictures of concerts that we've played in before and I think it just feels like a distant memory now and I just can't wait to be around other musicians and hear what yeah. we all sound like together as well because we, you can do like virtual orchestra rehearsals but it'll just be nice to hear live music all together yeah. sitting among it it's just going to be amazing I think I'm going to change my previous answer it's not having food it's live music and a drink <laughs> and and bar snacks <laughs> the three combined <laughs> yeah talking of Hull's independency and thinking about Humber Street are there any particular shops or eateries that you're you're looking forward to going into well said coffee experience I'm looking forward to go I'm I'm going to go down every shop on Paragon Arcade and then finish at Two Gingers Coffee that's the end point um and then maybe get a marla sandwich for the way home that's the plan yeah i'm gonna go too so um i've never actually had one and i've been hearing my friend she lives in locally and she's a, a food blogger and um she's called the greedy greedy globe trotters her and her boyfriend and they talk about these almond croissants from caffeinated at trinity market and she reckons that they're nicer than any that she's ever had in like all over the world basically and they make them. They, I think they take three days to make them. I think they open at 10 a.m. and they're quite often sold out by 10.30. So you've got a really small window of opportunity to get one of these almond croissants. And I've still never had one. And I'm like determined that these almond croissants are going to be in my in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be in front of the queue. Anita, what about you? Well, yeah, definitely coffee. Um, actually, do you know what? I quite like this shop down Humber Street that's called Light and Scent. I popped into there. It must have been, the, you know, we had that little window between the last lockdown and this just lockdown. Just before Christmas. In there. Yeah. Yeah, to get the girls some bath bombs was just stocking fillers for Christmas. And I just loved the experience of going in there. So, yeah, I just think all the, all the local independent shops, they need our support as we have been trying to do here at Pace through our um, initially one hull of a Christmas campaign and then more recently the shop hall campaign, just trying to support local retailers and get people to, whilst they can't physically go into the shop, at least try and support them online, have takeaways and deliveries. So Yeah, make sure you're following at shop hall on Instagram. Good plug, Jo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so talking about the local scene and the local community, I think this is a, a nice time to introduce our guests. So Mac is the, as I said earlier, the music mogul of Hull. Um, he's been around for some years in Hull's music scene. So great to see you, Mac, and thanks for joining us. Good afternoon, ladies. On International Women's Week as well. I'm surrounded by inspirational women of the city of Hull. Uh, He's such a charmer. I try. <laughs> so for the benefit of uh, listeners who perhaps have never heard of you, shame on them, do you want to perhaps just say a few words about who you are and what you do? So my name's Matt Page and uh, I'm responsible for SESH, that's uh, a live music night that started around about 18 years ago in the City of Hull, just on the avenues. It started off as a platform for original musicians and it sort of built a, a little creative community together. And after 10 years of running this night, we decided to set up a festival down on Humber Street. In the second year, we had over 40,000 attend from this little live music night. So uh, a festival was built and we ran that for like eight years down on Humber Street on the marina. And over the years, I've been involved in some other projects, things such 
is the live cruise that we do, well, we did do annually for four years before the pandemic. Uh, we did a cruise over to Amsterdam where we take around about a thousand people from the city of Hull and 30 of the best acts from the city. We'd go for a little weekend jolly in Amsterdam. That was great. We also provided live music for Hull City at all their home games. And in the last year, or the year before last, we were very fortunate to uh, get a contract from Hull City Council to host and curate Trinity Live in the indoor market in uh, Hull's Old Town. So over the 18 years, I've been in the city nearly 30 years now. Because this is audio, they didn't get to see the nicer stroke of the beard there as well. I liked that, yeah, you know, been around for a while and you stroked the beard. But over the last 18 years, I've been ingrained with the music scene and sort of just providing platforms, doing what I love best, which is really bringing people together. I've got a real passion for bringing people together. So obviously this pandemic's been quite tough for us. I'm just itching to get, get amongst people again. That live music that you're doing in Trinity has like just completely changed that env the environment completely. It's just brought it to life. It was through Hall City Council. They just wanted to uh, sort of shine a light on all the renovation and also to try and bring a bit more to the nighttime economy, especially midweek. Not only showed off Trinity Live, but also all the independent street traders that you know that that work within the uh, the market. But it reached new audiences and new demographics for our bands and artists. A lot of the people that were attending at Trinity Market weren't necessarily the same audience that you'd find at the Sesh at the Polar Bear or at the Adelphi or the Old Fruit, you know, on Humber Street. So reaching new audiences was a big thing. And uh, yeah, I think I think that was a, that was a really one of one of the reasons why I loved it because I've got two little kids. So over the last few years, I've not really you know been able to go out on like a late night kind of situation whereas I could go there and like take the kids and like watch a bit of live music and eat some lovely food and be in a really cool environment and it was like ticked a lot of boxes for us so we absolutely love going to that I can't wait for you to get that back going again oh thank you it had a really good community vibe I thought yeah definitely and perfect for that like space like the way you used it and just like all the decorations that go on around it and stuff like yeah you're a pro aren't you is the plan to start it again I'm hoping to, Anita. Yay! I've been speaking to Lucy Joy, who's the Trinity Market Manager, and I've got a call next week with Anthony Yates from VHA and Helen Thackeray from the Council, and uh, we're going to be discussing Trinity Live. So I'm hoping it is on the agenda to return. I think it might be a case where we need to look for some sponsorship and some funding, but hopefully it can return. I think it's an important platform, and I think it's a great community platform. Definitely. And you mentioned there about, um, you know, obviously the C word, won't talk about it, has presented its challenges. You haven't been able to bring people together. How have you kind of adapted SESH in its all its forms for the pandemic? How have you continued, you know, distributing live music? Before the pandemic, we were doing our Tuesday night, regular night at the Polar Bear on Springbank. We'd just come back off the cruise as well at the end of February from Amsterdam, our fourth annual Maiden Hall cruise. And we were just about to start, well, we, I think we did one week of Trinity Live before the pandemic took hold. And then as soon as we went into that first lockdown, unfortunately, the company that owned the Polar Bear went into administration and uh, we lost the Polar Bear as the venue for our weekly night, which is a big concern. It's still a concern now. Whether that can return, we're not sure. So the team behind the session, we're all you know, pretty much freelancers, really, with the, the weekly live music night. We just spoke and said, how can we still connect with audiences? And how can we still provide a platform for you know, the amazing talent that we have in this region? And we really, we truly do. We decided we could possibly do a, a live stream. Because we lost our venue, we thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if we could share it around the different venues in the city and take 
take a bit of cess to each venue and put on a couple of local bands, do a Q&A with them and sort of engage with audiences and provide that, that all-important platform for artists to still be heard and seen. So we did that for 12 weeks. Halfway through it, we were sort of running out of funding. We had a little bit of funding left over from uh, an emergency grant from the Arts Council in regards to the festival that we put on. And uh, we used that up. And then we did a crowdfunder and we raised, we raised about £5,000 in about six weeks, which meant that we could do it for another six weeks at least. So we did the live stream for about 12 weeks, but then unfortunately the money ran out and, uh, you know, these things do cost. We had a team of about 10 that were doing the live streams. It was a really great exercise, not just, not just getting back to doing what we love, but for our own mental health, it was just great to be around each other and sort of, you know, discuss how we're all navigating this, you know, unprecedented time. The stream was great. I think like artists, you're sort of um, built to want to perform to an audience, aren't you? So not having that, it, like streaming is like the best you can do. And it's amazing to like be able to connect in that way still. But there's nothing like that live audience, is there? And being able to get that like up and running again. And like really live music, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I suppose the biggest challenge with the live music is, is that the, is it the crowd sort of situation rather than like, whereas if people like somewhere like the Trinity, like you were talking about or certain like outdoor spaces, if you can kind of play to an audience and you know everybody's distance and outside like now that we're getting into the warmer months I guess a lot more opportunity for people to perform and get that is going to present itself which you know which would be brilliant all the audiences are all important and uh, yeah I mean it was very surreal doing the stream doing the live streams and having the band perform with just like you know 10 of us in a, in a room basically yeah but it was our only way our way to stay connected and staying stay engaged which was really important and and feel like you're in it together and kind of experiencing that together, sort of supporting each other as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When the, when the streams finished, we were sort of lost for a good month or so. I mean, we were fortunate to open social on Humber Street, so that took up a lot of our time. Uh, but then we were asked to help with the Freshers' Fair at Hall University, where we curated five nights of live music in a socially distanced uh, arena out on the fields where everyone was in pens, which was very surreal. We were asked by Dock Street Events to put that on kindly, and uh, we managed to do that. So we sort of connected again there, and that was back in, I think, September of last year. And uh, just recently, with your good selves at pace, with Molly helping us uh, do our social media for Humber Street, we've also taken on Dan Moa and Joe Gray, who's very much part of the team anyway with the festival, through the Goodwin Trust. They're on an initiative at the moment where they're doing like nine weeks of of helping Sesh reconnect on social media and through our website and everything and sort of putting our head above the parapet and sort of saying when the time's right and when it's safe to do so, the Sesh will still be here and uh, hopefully providing platforms and bringing the communities together. Absolutely. And you, and you touched on social there. So can you tell us a bit about the new venue, about the new space? Social obviously is uh, come about all, off all the hard work that we've done with the weekly sesh, the Humber Street Sesh Festival and all our other little events. We got offered the opportunity of taking on social with my partners. It's not just myself. There's Dave Mays, Justin Peacock, and we have another partner down in London as well. Dave had the experience of, of running fruits successfully, I think, for about seven, eight years. It was a no-brainer when Whiteland came to us and asked if we'd you know, be interested in taking on social. We looked at the venue. We realised a little bit of work still needed to be done. It had to be reconfigured, and we dressed it up. And uh, we spent a couple of months painting and uh, doing the decor. And uh, yeah, we, we see it as a multi-purpose arts venue. Unfortunately, because of what's happened in this year, we were only able to open as 
a sort of an arts cafe really where we had table service it was it was very civilized and it was lovely uh, it's quite vibrant we were having vinyl djs on putting some films on we had a bit of comedy happening but we weren't able to really sort of set the sails out and uh, do what we really intended to do with the venue which hopefully come june if the roadmap back is as successful as we all hope it's going to be if we are able to uh, bring audience back in for live gigs and then that's what we're going to be doing from uh, from june july onwards hopefully I'll be there. Yeah. I'm going to come and support. <laughs> it's a beautiful space. It's, it's right in the heart of Humber Street. Yeah. Um, I always thought fruit was the heartbeat of Humber Street, you know, in the early years before lots of these uh, exotic and exquisite sort of retailers have appeared on the street, which is fantastic. I think fruit started it all off, didn't it, really? For me, it was, it was always fruit, but it was also Thieving Harry's as well. Yeah, it was. It really, and now there's like so many places to go down there. The family behind Thieving Harry's, you know, I've got a long association with and they're, you know, they're great family friends and uh, I've always supported them at Thieving Harry's. And as Joe was mentioning, one thing I did, you know, I've missed with this pandemic is having a, having a coffee, looking over the marina, minding my own business, doing my work for Humber Street Sessions, sitting upstairs in Thieving Harry's and uh, just enjoying the ambience. I do miss that. So have you got any plans for the reopening of social then, Mark? Anything we should be getting excited about? With regards to social, as with Humber Street Sesh, we might touch on that as well. But with, uh, with social, obviously we've been cautious, you know, with these guidelines that have sort of appeared in the last uh, few weeks. We can't open in April because we haven't got a beer garden <laughs> and we haven't really got enough space outside to do anything in April for outside uh, outside drinking. We're looking at May. May will be similar to what it was before with table service in a civilised fashion with some DJs on and some great like film screenings possibly, maybe a little bit of comedy. I think from June, looking at what we're booking in, it's going to be a very exciting time for all. We've got some amazing bands and acts that are sort of lined up to play. We're hoping to bring back some of the great cinema nights that uh, Damien Greco put on in the fruit days. The, uh, the legendary cult cinema should be returning. Uh, hoping to do some comedy as well, which would be great. I mean, there's some great comedy nights in the city and we think we can add to that as well here. So hopefully from June onwards, we will open the doors up to, to more people and uh, hopefully get to where we want to be as a multi-purpose arts venue that Hall can be proud of. We want it to be a, quite a mature venue as well. We want to bring some class into the city's music scene. Not saying that there is no class, there's a lot of class out there. We want to bring in some sort of mature acts as well and some uh, some emerging acts from across the country. It won't be long and we're all back, I'm sure. There's a few things that have been announced on the social uh, Facebook page and on Instagram and Twitter. We've, uh, I think we've announced The Blinders, who are an amazing emerging band just down the road from Doncaster, even though they say they're, I think, Manchester now, they're not. <laughs> uh, there's also Mystery Jets are booked in. Uh, we've got B see Camplight booked in again. We're hoping Huey Morgan will come and do a DJ set for us in 2022, which was planned before the pandemic took hold. That'd be really exciting. But no, we've got incredible bands and uh, not all I could say right now until we've uh, crossed a few teeth, tried a few eyes. Oh, that's exciting stuff. You've got a little smile on your face, which makes me think that you've got some things under your uh, under your hat there that uh, you can't tell us about just yet, but I can tell it's going to be good, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question for you. Who would be your all-time favourite local act, past or present? Do you know? Is that easy? On the spot. I'm a big fan of emerging music. I'm always looking for the next big thing. I get, I get. get. It's not that I get tired with music, but having had the background of being a DJ for like 30 years in bars and clubs, I do get tired sort of playing the same tracks a lot I'm always looking for the next thing so so when you ask me what's my favourite it's the, it's the next big thing I think I can't really pick one from the last 18 years without 
cheesing off a lot of people. Very tactful. You know, a band like Low Hummer are definitely worth a watch. Fever are another great band. If you're into your, like, your, your post-punk or your indie vibes, there's also a, a young lad called Eric Dimmock who's one to look out for and a, an outstanding uh, female artist by the name of Lucy Tessia who uh, I think is going to be a star. I mean, we, we are blessed for songbirds in the city of Hall. We've got some incredible talent. People like Alice Simmons, Grace Christensen, Lucy Tessier, Evie Barrand, Emma Fee, Fiona Lee. And it's some incredible like female singer-songwriters so any of them really. And Shadow Araka as well, who's uh, who sort of leads leads all for grime music. I mean, he's he's made a, a name for himself in a in a genre that isn't really exposed in City of Hall. And he's made it his own and, and really smashing it. And uh, I expect big things for Shadow in 2021-22. Dare we ask then about the sesh? Obviously, there's been a bit of fake news around. Oh, God bless them. What can you tell us? So, all Daily Mail, as they do, they wanted a story and they wanted some clickbait. And uh, obviously, straight after Boris's announcement of the roadmap back, they took it upon themselves to announce that our festival was coming back in August. <laughs> and uh, that was the first we heard of it. We would love it to return in August. But we are being very cautious at the moment. I mean, a lot of festivals, some of the bigger ones, have announced straight away they're going to be back in sort of August, September. We're erring on the side of caution at the moment. We're also waiting on a funding bid that we put in with the Arts council and we're hoping we're successful with that which hopefully will make us more sustainable and viable going into going into the preparation of putting this festival on the first couple of years it was it was a love affair it was very much a love affair and it was a case of the community just getting together and, and pulling off this festival and eight years later it, it's turned into something a lot bigger yeah oh yeah it's bigger every year. Every year that I go, I'm just like, oh my God, this is phenomenal. <laughs> well, if you think the first year was was community funded and we raised 18,000 in eight weeks and we, we pulled off a festival in that first year for 10,000 people when we expected a thousand down here. The following years, we had to sort of shore things up with security and insurances and licenses and, and things started to cost more. And then people were saying, well, it's too busy. There's not enough toilets. So we had to look at the infrastructure more and be a little bit more professional. And then a few years on, people were saying well where's the big bands we need you know where's the big names and that so we started to introduce a few sort of bigger names into the festival but they come with huge costs so from the first year of doing a crowdfunded event that cost eighteen thousand pounds in the first year to I could say it in 2019, it cost us over £600,000. Really? And that's some jump. And we start each year with no money. We have to go out and look for our sponsorship, funding pots. We have to sell tickets. And then hopefully that bars and the food do well and the concessions do well. And it's it's a mixed economy that makes the streets such sustainable. It's become a bit of an institution, you know, something people look forward to, pandemic aside, but... Yeah, I feel like it's a staple in the diary these days, though. I don't even think it's like, I, I, like, I don't even batter an eyelid. It's like, when's it on? Like, you know, it's not even something that you would need to sell to like a massive number of people of the in the community because it's just like, well, of course I'll be there. I go every year. <laughs> like, whole fair, you just go every year. <laughs> it's not just the local community either. People further afield come, don't they? No, true. We've we've had guests from America. We've had guests from Denmark. We've had you know messages from people that have travelled all over to come down to us, which you know is testament to what we do. And if anything, it's a test. It's testament to our artists. We've got some incredible artists. I keep on saying, but it shouldn't be taken as a gimme that this festival will happen every year because it was a community built festival. And over the last year, we've lost that sort of sense of community a little bit, and we've got to get back together again, and we've got to start talking. And as you know, the festival's built. And lots of freelance work so we've got to bring all those people back into play and we've got to find the money to you know hopefully stage it because unfortunately in this current climate insurance companies aren't 
willing to insure festivals because of the uncertainty. And at the same and at the same time, a lot of the, the contractors that we use at the festival all want higher deposits now because there isn't that insurance. So a lot of them are asking for like 50% or 75% deposits, which is a lot of money, like, you know, to pay out before you even brought anything back in. So there's a lot to discuss, but we're hoping, we're hoping that we can do something this year. Now, whether it happens in August or whether it happens later in the year, that'd be uh, decided. And hopefully we'll come up with a decision towards the end of March, early April. So fingers crossed. Fingers and toes. Brilliant. So um, what would what are you looking forward to doing the most when things do open up? Obviously, you've got a lot of work. You're a hardworking man putting a lot of things together. And But what would you like to do as an individual, as Mark instead of as Mac? <laughs> what are you looking forward to doing? Well, as Anita said, first thing, hairdressers. <laughs> hairdressers there. I want to go down to see my folks, my beloved parents. They live down in Torquay and uh, I haven't seen That's them. That's a nice part of the world to go to. It's my hometown. It's, it's where I'm from. You know, I, I, I do miss it. I've, I've been a little bit homesick throughout the year. Obviously, not having that social connection with people in Hull, you know, I've sat at home and I've thought a lot about my past and I do miss home. I do miss... I, I, I haven't been that homesick for Torquay in 30 years of living up here. You probably don't get a lot of time to sit and think about it though. Like this, you know, you're just on a constant treadmill, aren't you? Whereas this year's given people a t- chance and time to think about things that they don't normally, you know. So I want to go down and see my parents. That'd be nice. Yeah, give them a big cuddle. And i like to go and do some crate digging. Some what? What? Crate digging. What's that? Records, vinyl. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm a big record collector and uh, there's nothing better I like to do when I've got a day off, actually go around all the little independent record shops, whether they're in hall or outside. And uh, yeah, just buy a ton of vinyl and go home and play it. I can't believe I got rid of all my vinyl collection. Bad move. <laughs> oh, no. Although I don't think my taste would have been the same. I don't think you'd wanted my vinyl, Mark. Oh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Bit of ABBA? No, you're right. You've done the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we're going to move on to Pause with Pace. Okay, so Pause with Pace is our segment where we make recommendations on activities or things we've been watching or listening to that have helped us step back, give us a breather um, and what we've just been enjoying, recommendations for our listeners. So, Mac, do you have anything that you've been listening to you would recommend that our listeners check out? Wow, non-stop. I mean, this this is what I do a lot of the time is listen to music pretty much all day and every day. Um, So throughout 2020 and a little bit of 21, for some reason I've got into jazz. I've started listening to a lot of like neo-soul and contemporary jazz. So I've been listening to a lot of artists like Alpha Mist, uh, Nubaya Garcia, Emma Jean Thackeray, uh, Moses Boyd. And and they're really exciting me me at the moment. But uh, guitar-wise, there's uh, an all-girl group from Brooklyn that are really exciting. That sounds right up my street. I believe are playing in Leeds and Manchester in November of this year. A band called Gustaf or Gustaf, G-U-S-T-A-F, Gustaf. And it's an all-girl Brooklyn sort of indie punk band. They're, they're fantastic, full of energy, full of vitality. And uh, yeah, they're my, they're my top pick at the moment is Gustaf, I'd say. I saw Kaz writing that down. I did, yeah. <laughs> Gustaf, right, okay, got it. 
<laughs> Kaz is busy scribbling away. Kaz, what about you? Music-wise or just in general? In general. So to try and switch off at the minute, my husband and I have introduced um, like a reading night. So on a Wednesday night, so tonight, although there is something I would really like to watch, but um, we are, do you remember a couple of weeks ago I said that my New Year's resolution was to try and read more books and to go through the classics? You read to each other? No. <laughs> like a bedtime story? <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you reading, Kaz? Well, I'm, I'm re- I've got a Vanity Fair and I've had it for ages and it was on my list. And, um, I've done this New Year's resolution for a few years now and I'm working my way through a lot of books, but Vanity Fair's one, it's a big old book and I keep looking at it thinking, oh, it's a bit of an investment, that. So uh, now that we've got back onto our like one night a week of reading, because it just gets so distracted with everything else. There's always something else or, you know, I'm going to venture into Vanity Fair. Good. That sounds good. Anita, what about you? Mine's a watching recommendation, actually. We've just started watching on Netflix um, What If? It's the Renny Zellweger thriller-type drama. I love Renee. Which poses a bit of a moral dilemma. Um, I won't spoil the story if you want to actually watch it, but it's uh, quite gripping. What If? On Netflix? Yes. I think it's Netflix or Prime. I think it's Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I'll check that one out. What about you, Joe? Well, on the music side of things, I... I... I feel like Spotify is great at um, making recommendations for me now because I listen to it all the time. Um, And I've really been enjoying a playlist they've been pushing to me recently called Sweet Soul Sunday, which has some of the classic, you know, soul artists, but also some new um, artists I've never heard of before. So I put it on shuffle and I'm sort of listening to it and there's people that I recognise and then something new will come up and I think, oh, what's that? And then you check them out and then you fall into a rabbit hole of, all of their discography and, and it's just uh, brilliant so I, would, I mean the the playlist I recommend is Sweet Soul Sunday but really I recommend trusting Spotify to lead you down a path of discovery. <laughs> and also I've only just discovered that if you like an artist and then you click on their radio and I was like oh I was listening to Nick Mulvey the other day just because it, it was I was going down a bit of a Glastonbury like you know remark like just trying to relive like that particular um, and it was Nick Mulvey Radio and I got into all sorts of different things and I was like oh my god like this is brilliant there's loads of people in here I'd never heard of so that was a that was a revelation last week exactly it is it is really good I must ask you Mark actually before we finish Sesh Aside which is your favourite festival UK festival favourite festival I've been to quite a few over the years and uh, there's there's a couple I mean I do like the boutique festivals as much as like you know the big ones I mean Glastonbury Glastonbury is mind-blowing. It's a city in itself. And uh, if, you, if you've never been, it's, it's something you've all got to do at least once in your lifetime. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? You can't you can't grasp it until you go. Yeah, I mean, Glastonbury is obviously the, the biggest and the best, I'd say. But I went to Latitude last year. I was very fortunate to have been invited down to Latitude and I stayed with the... Uh, the organ- oh, I stayed at the organiser's house. And, oh, wow. Uh, Ooh, that's not a festival, stayed at someone's house. <laughs> yeah, that was mind-blowing because Latitude thinks about everything, you know, with regard to families, you know, every every sort of genre of art was was there on show. Every style of music, theatre, comedy, the kids, I mean, the family area was second to none I've seen at any festival. Um Latitude is beautiful, but there's also another one called End of the Road Festival, which is down by near Southampton. It's quite left field, but it's the type of festival where you don't see cigarette butts on the grass. People actually dip them out in their hands and put them in their pockets. And there's very little security there. It all seems to be self-governed by volunteers. And it's just a really sort of respectful festival. No sign of trouble, no sign of nonsense. 
and it's just quality, quality art and quality music. And that that's a beautiful festival, End of the Road Festival. End of the Road, I've not heard of that one. We're, my uh, my uh, Mike wants to go to Lost Village Festival um, this what? year, because I think that's on, isn't it? I, we, we're, yeah. we're think, I, I wasn't going to go. We did have tickets booked for, I think, last year. And I wasn't going to go because I just had a baby. And I was like, oh, but this year, obviously, I'm like, well, I'm a year on and I've not been anywhere for so long. So I really want to check out. It's only in Lincoln. So it's like not far to go. And I'm going to try and check that out this year. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's, I haven't been to Lost Village, but it's supposedly, I've, I've looked at it. Yeah, online, the pictures it, look good, don't they? Yeah. As I say, those boutique festivals, if you can get in them early before they go too big, they're, they're very, very special. But you can't, you can't beat like Glastonbury, really. Glastonbury's the one because you get everything. Glastonbury. Yeah, including a week one hangover. We've got an exciting summer ahead of us, haven't we, guys? Yes. yes. Can't wait. <laughs> so on that positive note, we'll look forward to everything that is going to come our way. A big thank you to you, Mac. Good luck with the reopening of social. We will be there. Sure will. Front of the queue. <laughs> yeah, can I just say a massive thank you to all of you at Pace, though, for helping us. Yeah, you came on board, I think, in 2018 to help us with the festival, and you've been looking after our marketing online and our social media. And like Molly's been doing a fantastic job for us. And uh, I just want to say thanks on behalf of Sesh Events for all you know for the great work that you're doing for us. And uh, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure. No, it's our pleasure. We enjoy working with you and we can't wait for everything to be back on and we can come and see you in person. Thank you. It's been a right honour. Well, thanks for your time today and thanks, ladies. It's a, a very spring-like goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. That was my spring-like goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye.